Has another week, another beta. Another beta, yeah. Another beta. Beta. Is this another one now pronouncing it wrong? We can have a pronouncing <laughs> off. Every every week we can discuss our pronunciation of <laughs> words. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of funny. It's been coming fast. And uh, like I've had two in the last week, I think. Six and seven. Um, and I guess it could be out next month, the end of next month. They're just getting it all right. And I think... The consensus is at the moment anyway, it's, it's pretty spot on. Um, any of the bugs, you know, the people have been having have been squashed. Um, and I'm definitely seeing just general improvements. So certain small features, I guess, like, um, some of the notification improvements, they're working now. So I can quick reply to you guys, um, and see rather than quick reply to one message, I can see our full conversation going back in our group conversation messages. So that stuff wasn't working for weeks and that's all working now. And animations seem on point. You know, they always seem to, every time a beta comes out, they seem to try and mess with animation speeds. That's one thing people notice always. Let's try and mess with animation speeds. I'm not too sure why, because people are going to get annoyed and bit by bit, they, you know, they kind of change them and alter them and then people end up happier anyway. So I'm glad I've had it for the last few weeks. Um, I think you guys will like it anyway when you make the change. You're on the developer beta, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm always on the current one rather than one behind with the public. Oh, is that, is that how it works? So the public is one yeah. behind? Okay. Yeah, which is pretty good as well. So they've been good as well. Xcode and watchOS has been updated as well every time. I definitely recommend if you're looking, if you're like on the fence, you can make the change now. You won't regret it. Unless you're developing iPhone apps and it's your only iPhone, then it's a bit of a pain, I guess. <laughs> so when do we think it'll be released? Oh, so it's, <laughs> it's kind of one of those funny things, you know, sometimes when someone doesn't know what NDAs are, or they don't know what, I don't know, tech secrets are and they, um, they blab. So by Barbara Streisand, she was on a uh, podcast or a radio show there recently, and one of the guys was asking Siri a question, and her name was the answer. And she was always like, "Oh, Siri always pronounces my name wrong, Streisand Sand instead of Streisand." So she said she rang up Tim Cook, and I wonder if it was the real Tim Cook. You know, is it just a? Uh, Tim Cook automation, you know, yeah, this is Tim Cook, you're true to Tim Cook, and it's just one of his lackeys or something, but he agreed anyway that he would, according to her, change her name in the next version of iOS 10, and she also said, and that comes out on September 30th. So, it's a Friday, I believe, if I check my calendar. Um, so that's usually a, um, oh, my calendar's not working, that's usually a release day for <laughs> Apple, I think. <laughs> These betas are great. My calendar's yeah, not working. My calendar's yeah. not working. Maybe I can ask Siri on my version of uh, Mac OS beta that I'm on as well. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm on the beta one. It's not working. So I guess we could see the September 7th um, announcement date that we talked about last week. And I guess phones and stuff like that around the end of the month. So, yeah. It's an unusual enough departure from them because it's usually... And iOS is released the day of the announcement in the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah, I suppose actually could really. I shouldn't be really listening to what Barbara Streisand was blabbering on about on a radio it's show. Streisand effect, man. You you can't deny Streisand it. effect. That's it. Yeah. Well, what what do we think Apple's retaliation is going to be? Which I think is the most important aspect of all this. 
So previously, Siri's going to start saying Barbara Streisand. <laughs> yeah, that's it, and it's going to show you a picture of her house as well, yeah. um, <laughs> or, or something like that. Because you know, historically, when people have blabbed about stuff for Apple, they all of a sudden find themselves written out of the keynote the next week. Um, it happened with, I think, a, a good few iBooks publishers. Uh-huh. Um, they they had they they said that yeah no we're we have a deal with with iTunes working whatever and then they were just uh, their names magically removed from the from the slide and Leo Leo Laporte as well oh is it Leo La- Laporte uh, him as well yeah but like he he held up his Mac or his computer oh, in the middle it, of the yeah. keynote to film to film it from the the front camera like. You know, that's just a bit. That's yeah. I think the, I think they're okay with him now, but there was um. It's the is it Phil Sivers, who I'll have to check that name. But he was um. The, the CD he ran baby guy. CD baby. Yeah, and yeah, Derek Sivers. Derek Sivers. Um. So they wanted to offer this. You you give your music to CD Baby. They distribute it and they wanted to put it on iTunes. So. Apparently, Steve Jobs flew in a load of these crowds and he said, yeah, no, and we're going to give you access to iTunes to upload them and everything. So he came back from the meeting and he put out a thing saying, yeah, great. Now we're, you know, we're uploading all of the your tunes to iTunes free of charge, whatever. And apparently there was some NDA that he didn't seem to notice or no one asked him to sign that Apple obviously decided was implied. And then they just pulled the feature and said, no one kind of made, made shit of it saying that you, you just can't have anyone putting music on iTunes, you know? Um, and then as he unwound it and he said, look, sorry, I can't, he refunded everyone. And then Apple quietly just let everyone put music on iTunes. <laughs> About a week later. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Bar- Barbara's in trouble anyway. Yeah, maybe they'll, well, I don't know. She has leverage, though, you know. Um, she's like, well, fine, take all my songs off Apple Music and my movies and my... <laughs> um, Baz, you had something about uh, the camera in the new, the next iPhone. Yeah, so this is actually one of the discussions we had last week when um, I was like asking Dave, is he going to stick with the, I guess, smaller phone, not the 5SE, but the iPhone 7 instead of the 7 Plus? And he said, yeah. And I said, I guess the advantage of the... The six has been that the camera has optical or yeah uh, stabilization, so the videos are a bit more stable if you're if you're walking, I guess, and filming at the same time. But some leaked hardware has come out, and it looks like the smaller, I suppose, the iPhone Seven will have um, optical image stabilization in it for the camera, which is great because um, I think that's a, a big complaint a lot of people have had is why do I need to get the biggest phone? to get all the features you know i just want i want all the features in the same in a smaller size and so hopefully this is good but then i suppose it could be okay look you got optics image stabilization but are they going to give him the dual camera not sure are you going to have to get the bigger phone to get the dual camera that could be what you get for the bigger camera this time so you just got to wait for the iphone 8 then dave and you'll get the um dual camera on your smaller phone (laughs) sweet I think um, it's kind of at the diminishing returns point with the camera for me, I think. Yeah. Like, it's only, like, still some low-light pictures. I'm kind of like, I wish the low-light was a bit better. But in terms of stabilization and everything like that, and just the general quality of the pictures that are taken, um, they're 
pretty good. You know, pretty, I don't yeah. have anything to complain about. Like it's at the stage where like I have the the DSLR and stuff and for a lot of quick photos I don't regret just snapping them with the iPhone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's say, okay, that's that's happening and I go and I run and I turn on the camera, I you know, by the time I get back and everything and have the lens cap off and whatever, you know. Um you know, it, the the moment has passed or whatever. Whereas with the with the phone, uh, it's perfect, you know. And they're they're all printable and frameable and everything. Like I've the the six especially, I have no no problems with its camera quality. And there's like there's quite a lot of good camera apps out there if you want to like get a bit more from your camera. Um, there's one I use, yeah. It's called Luff L U F F, and that allows you to kind of it's it's quite simple, but allows you to toggle. Um, I guess your ISO and stuff like that and shutter rate and all these kind of little small features. So there are stuff that enhances uh, what the iPhone camera has if you want to spend a bit more time figuring them out. Although that app does make my phone very, very hot. But uh, it can be good for certain images, you know, if you have a bit of extra time. Yeah, and even if you're taking video, you can actually get apps that will lock the white balance and stuff um, and the exposure and stuff. So it makes it um, slightly more professional looking if you need to do you know if the light is changing you know the whole the whole camera won't change mm-hmm. um but they're you know they're they're kind of going to step beyond what what the average consumer would need anyway dave obviously you were a serious enough photographer anyway if you had a an slr but have you found like since i presume since having a child like the number of photos you take is hugely yeah, ridiculous amount. Um, Are you the main photographer in in your family, or do you have the best kind of like? Does your phone have the best camera in the family, or no? I mean, we're we're all iPhones to some extent, anyway, and um, with two iPhone sixes around the same the same upgrade schedule. Okay, um, and I have the DSLR just messing about like not, you know. Um, but there is like, obviously there is an order of magnitude of difference with the pictures. Like, you know, you still know that they're on, they're taken with the a smartphone lens and stuff like that. But to just have the pictures, um, at a quality that's printable and, and everything is, is brilliant. Um, and if I go to, uh, if have you run into other things? Like I just talked to people who've had kids and suddenly like, you know, people were fine with 16 gig iPhones and then suddenly just having kids and take all the photo and especially videos suddenly kind of you know uh, you know the storage run out in their phone their free tier of iCloud um, backup storage wasn't enough like are you are you running into space issues like that or had you already run into them beforehand I'd run into them beforehand but I over upgraded on the the iTunes the iCloud storage because I was backing up the the iPad and the iPhone and then I stopped backing up the iPad because it's okay. old there's not much on it and I could could work with that and I have um some I have the full res DSLR stuff dumped into photos on the Mac as well okay which means they show up on my phone and everything like um which is which is a lot but it's just it's, it's an interesting data point like especially about these uh 16 gig iPhones um 
like it does seem to be like anybody with families who likes to take a bit of photo and build like it just for space and no time at all. Yeah, so I just took, I just went into my photo library there and I selected from his date of birth to today and there is 1,099 photos taken since then. Wow. <laughs> and he's how, how old now? Seven months. Yeah, so five a day. Wow. Basically. Wow. Um, give or take. And that's just me. Do you give him weekends off? <laughs> also have um shared group and stuff as well set up through through iCloud, which is brilliant. And is that a group for kind of grandparents and stuff? Yeah. Brilliant. So, you know, you don't have to be sending them things, you just take the picture, save it to the group, and then it pops up and they're they're very happy. And how do you sorry, I'm just kinda of interested in this bringing up a few sort of use cases with with photos and iCloud that sort of like how do you deal between by um you know sharing photos between the two of you like do you do you operate one consolidated family library or do you know say you might have some nice photos of your son but then you know so my Denise so you've got like how, how do you manage that I suppose is my question yeah so basically first we, we both just have a full backup of our photo libraries Right. Anyway, regardless of sharing with no overlap, like, you know, and then I created a shared album on iCloud and basically we'll put the ones that we actually really want to keep all into that one. And that's the one for the grandparents as well. As well. Yeah. Because like, I mean, you know, you might take five pictures of which one of them, he isn't looking like he's trying to, you know, escape. (laughs) Or, <laughs> or eat your face or you know i just or, like your workflow flow sounds very sensible but it does feel to me that this is something photos kind of photos and itunes this whole kind of family stuff that this concept of like a, a shared library with some individual bits i'm not sure photos has quite licked yet yeah i don't i haven't even looked into that like literally i just invited the individual users to the album everyone can add stuff so if the grandparents have them for the night and they take nice p- pictures they can they can throw them up in the group as well you know and and that's it really like so two separate things i don't feel the need to put everything into it because like i mean you know that's on my photo stream like there's stuff from you know there's technically in all photos stuff that you guys send me in group chat um images or whatever are in there if I take a picture to send to you of something like they're in there as well you know um in the general album so um in terms of sa- sharing stuff I don't know how I don't know how that would work nicely as well like I've it on the I've my obviously the Apple TV is my iCloud and if you go into photos like you've access to the photo stream which is the entire camera roll on the TV as well and I don't know, I don't don't really like that, just in case, you know. <laughs> These random photos of like sort of random bits of electronics or kind of the back of a, a router so you can um, remember, uh, get the the Wi-Fi uh, password and stuff. I always think that's very random. That's it. Like, I mean, I'm look, just looking back at them now, like, and there's uh, a picture of handwritten bank details. There's, uh, you know, load the screenshots I sent to you about something. There's a picture of this, picture of that. There's some keys that I found, you know, that I took a picture of to see if someone could match them up to keys they owned, you know, just loads of stuff that 
you know, I probably should go through and and prune, but I don't have the need to because I have the space. So someday I'll go through and I'll clean out. Like I can guarantee you that every November there's a picture of the front window of my car with my insurance details on it for when I'm renewing so that I know what my policy number is like, you know, um, or when I'm doing my tax or something like, you know, that. This that sounds kind of like the kind of area that um, Google Photos would sort of excel on. You know, they're kind of machine learning stuff so they can detect all your horses. And I know that that, that stuff is coming to iOS um, this autumn anyway. But have you ever been tempted by shift to Google Photos? Especially now that you're t- taking sort of quite a lot of images. I used Picasso um, ages ago. And I don't know, is that discontinued now or what, what the story is like? Um, so it's, it's something I want to look into anyway, but I think I just need, I just, I'm going to get a time capsule and back up and I'm going to get a hard disk and leave it at my parents with all the, the stuff on it. So that there's an offsite of all the, the important stuff. And apart from that, I don't need sharing or anything like that, really, you know? Um, I just need a place to store them and they're only photos. Like they're not, you know, I can buy a terabyte hard disk for, 60 quid or something these days, you know, um, I'm not, they're not, I'm not shooting them in raw on my, on my iPhone, you know, um, so they're all, you know, what are they? 1.7 megs, like, do you know, that's what the, that's what a lot of them, a lot of them are. Yeah. Still only around the one meg each, like, so that's probably a gig since for the last seven months, give or take. Um, which means that, you know, I've, I've what, like 500 years before I outgrow a terabyte hard disk? <laughs> that right? <laughs> At which time Apple will still be selling 16 gigabyte iPhones. Yeah. Well, not if rumors are to be believed. That's it. It's nice, though. You can you can thumbs up and you can comment on them as well, on the pictures as well. So it's a mini social network as well, which is which is kind of handy. So you can you can add context to those strange pictures, you know, or when you post a video of him falling down that you can, you know, let people know that he actually laughed afterwards. Grandparents looking at photos of kids seems to be the absolute perfect use case for iPad, doesn't it? It is so much so that my mother is having neck troubles from <laughs> from being bent over the iPad uh the whole time staring at jacob basically um ouch so so we have to come up with some other some other arrangement for for where to put the where to put the ipad get get, get her a pair of google glasses then she'd be fine yeah <laughs> that's it just wallpaper the the house with the pictures but yeah it is like i mean you, you know it's um it's a great way to actually just the fact that my my parents are so tech literate that I don't have to be like even emailing them pictures or anything like that. You know, it's great. I can just like I take a picture and within three seconds they can see it as well if they really want to, you know. So um, up until now, we haven't had an Apple store Dublin or Limerick or Cork or whatever. But now we're we're just not going to have an Apple Dublin. So they're removing the store from their thing. Baz, you put in this link. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones. I, I, I guess we always have the thing that... So I guess they're just removing the store, so you're going to go, oh, 
um, I'm going to go to Apple, I guess, and get a new iPhone. Um, or yeah, or I need to go into Apple to get my phone fixed. I guess that's what they wanted to be talked about. I, and these things are always funny. It's like when Adobe said, we don't want people to use the word photoshopped. But I guess even within our small city of Limerick in Ireland, when the names of things change, they always stay the same, the old name. So we have Brown Thomas inside in town, but I guess people our age will always say, oh, I'll meet you at Todd's yeah. or it's one of those things. It's, it's, if it's ingrained in you for years, it's very <laughs> Woolworths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's very hard to change, you know, and people will always just be, we know it as the Apple store. People fortunate, fortunate enough to have one. And I guess even people probably call the likes of CompuB, which are the smaller retails, which act as CompuB, uh, sorry, as Apple stores um, around Ireland. They might just call them the Apple store as well, you know, even though they're referring to CompuB. Do you do that? Or do you just say CompuB? CompuB. Yeah, probably do as well. But I, I guess it's a funny thing. I guess they're going to just change their branding and see how that goes. I'm just going to drop into that Apple authorized retailer on O'Connell Street. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are we ever going to get an Apple store or an Apple, as I presume we're now supposed to call it? It's such a pain not having a genius bar in this country. So why do we think we don't? So I've heard rumors that it's for tax purposes or something like that. So they already have... They are like, you know, they already have X amount of employees in Cork and they have, you know, obviously Apple are here, but that, you know, having the shop would change things in some way. Um, I always thought it was just population. Um, I guess not enough people within a, a city, in, even Dublin, to justify it. Ah, uh, no, because there's like, there was Apple stores, even in Canada, like there was Apple stores and just the mall, like, do you know, they were just yeah. a small smaller little, ones, yeah. a hut, yeah. basically, like, do you know, <laughs> and Belfast. Um, there's one in Belfast, yeah. Yeah, that's it. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, reason for it not to be in Dublin because that's the Apple store for Ireland. Like, people who, who care enough will drive up there, um, or they'll, they'll incorporate it on their, their next visit or whatever. Like, I mean, if I wanted something on release day and it was, you know, um, it's not out of the, the, you know, it's not too far out of the way if you really wanted to, to get it. Like if you were, if you were, you know, if you were developing and you needed the latest version or something, you know, an hour and a half in the car isn't going to do too much damage to. Whatever about those kind of release day stuffs, it's just really, really frustrating when it comes to repair. So, um, all we have in Ireland is Apple, what are they called? Apple authorized resellers or, or uh, service yeah. providers. Um, and so, you know, when you have an issue where you're like, okay, I know exactly what is wrong here and I know what needs to happen. Um, but the, service providers and it's not their fault um it's it's the kind of terms because apple closely guard their parts um for various bits so like say i had a, a macbook air the battery was um gone um and you know cycle count was very much north of of what it should have been and if we had an apple store i could have gone in it's a flat charge um you know they would have had the stuff in stock Whereas with CompuB in town, you've got this massive thing where you have to take the Mac in, they have to run tests, and then they have to order the battery, and sometimes that takes a week, and then you should bring it back, and it's just like, oh, it's a nightmare. Just need to move somewhere else, Thomas. Need to get out of this town. <laughs> Live somewhere a bit more upmarket. 
And you always hear about the people just going in with damaged things and them just getting like free stuff in the Apple store. Apple just going, oh, here's a new one and good luck. Yeah. Um, which obviously, you know, I mean, that can't happen at the, the resellers because the reseller isn't just going to take on that, that loss, you know, <laughs> um, which is understandable, but you know. My psych, my battery health for my MacBook Pro is going to be almost, but not quite. Um, Apple defines what they view as sort of not acceptable battery performance. And I'm almost, but not quite going to be at that level when I get to my one year, one year. So like, it's exactly the kind of thing, like you, you try your, you chance your arm, like not in a, you know, not in a way that you're trying to con anyone. But if I, if there was an Apple store in Dublin, I'd totally ring it in and go, oh, what do you think? You know, it's close to, you know, my warranty's out. Anyway, it sucks. And what is your, your, what is it? Is it cycles or is it the, the current max milliampere hours or? Yeah, I think it's the, um, yeah, it's the, it's the maximum capacity of the milliampere's. Um, yeah, because I, I just checked here and my battery is 3.1 years old, 515 cycles and 90% of the original capacity. And OS 10 tells me it's good. So. Where do you get that? Your system report? I have a, um, an app installed called Battery Health. Okay. But it could, it could be in, it could be in OS 10 now at this stage. I mean, mine isn't bad. I'm not complaining about it. But at the same time, I know I'm going to have this Mac for a very long time. And so I will eventually just end up paying. Yeah, and iFixit or any of those crowds, um, are they selling replacement stuff for the for the, the all-in-ones yet? I've always, I think because I had a few friends had bad experiences. Now, stupid bad experiences where they bought... Um, MacBook batteries or chargers on Amazon that were clearly so cheap that they were definitely counterfeit. But yeah. ha- having seen somebody brick uh, an old black MacBook, a friend of mine bricked his charger, I think. Uh-huh. Um, I've always been really conservative about power stuff. Um, so I'd, I'd happily replace, like, say, the SSD with a third-party one. But, uh, yeah, not the, not the battery. Um, yeah, and even my... This happened uh, a few years ago. My brother bought a, not counterfeit, but just not, you know, it, it wasn't pretending to be a genuine Apple charger. Okay. And there was flames. Um, <laughs> one night, you know, he was using it. It was, you know, uh, one in the morning, the cable had frayed and there was just flames jumping out of the cable. Like, you know, um, if someone had been asleep, if he'd been asleep on, on it, like, you know, or fell asleep using it. Um, that would have been scary. Definitely. Yeah. They always say kind of, I suppose if you open up an Apple charger, even the, the iPhone ones, they're full of, you know, bits and pieces. There's a lot of tech going inside in them, you know, to regulate energy and all that. Pay the extra few quid. Yeah. I just sent you guys something there. Uh, Jesus, this really is posted six minutes ago. Uh, Yeah. And it was up just on Reddit before this. Um, so some guy in England is selling a what looks like a PlayStation 4 Slim on um, Gumtree for about £300. <laughs> uh, so initially it went up and there was just photos of the outside of the box with a rendering of the picture on it. And some guy was texting him away, kind of going, here, mate, can you open it up so I can have a look at it to see if it's real? And he's like, no, I'm not opening it. 
But now some other folders have emerged of a, what looks like, I don't know, could it be a fake photo, could it be a 3D render? Looks pretty realistic. Um, it looks like the PS4 Slim, I guess. So I thought that was kind of cool. So, I'm clear. So even right, though yeah. you explained <laughs> it really clearly to me last week, so is it possible when this releases that there will be three PS4s, a Slim, a full size and the whatever you called it um the neo yeah i guess that that could be the way uh they'll they'll continue to probably sell the current one what i imagine they'll do is drop the price of that um 100 quid to get rid of stock and then this new slim one will be the the one they sell constantly if this is real i don't know it's i suppose very new information or very new rumors and leaks but uh, it could then just be that they'll eventually get back down to two, the, the PS4 Slim and the PS4 Neo. This would be one of the quickest that they've brought out one of the Slim versions, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's pretty because quick. Because that's usually very late in the, the life cycle, mm-hmm. like, because the, the PS ONE, the, you know, the, the, the PlayStation 2 and stuff, where they brought out the, the really tiny ones. PS3 hasn't really had one. It had the, it had the, two. the Slim, actually. It had two different Slims. Um, Oh yeah, the one with the slidey top on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but it was still it was still pretty big. Um, and then this one, which is yeah, very soon yeah. in yeah. the the life cycle. So they're obviously getting ready for for something. Or since you know the rumors are they had to change the the production setup that they said they'd take advantage of the the changes overall. Yeah, and I guess people are saying, why do they need to release a slim? Uh, the current one is pretty small already, even compared to the Xbox One. But I guess it's just cheaper components now. Um, it's always the way, isn't it? After a couple of years, the the chips are cheaper. Motherboards, they can make it, everything smaller. So it's cheaper just to house it in a new unit and sell it off under a different name. And, you know, I suppose get people who are sitting on the fence uh, to come in and buy it. So speaking of Sony, what's going on with the Vita? Yeah, uh, this is kind of a cool one. This goes back to... It's their handhelds, right? Yes. So, yeah, so I suppose the, the PS Vita is Sony's handheld computer, um, which I love. I have one. Um, I personally think they're fantastic. I had a PlayStation, or sorry, PSP back in the day. Big fan of that. But this thing, to me, is definitely a better unit. And I suppose myself and Dave, we had a lot of experience with the PSP, so... I guess what's happened with the PS Vita, it's been hacked, um, which is always kind of interesting because as I guess as hardware has gone along, it's harder and harder to hack um, devices. You don't see it happening as as often. Um, I did in the last generation, but PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, and I think the Wii U haven't been hacked yet. So um, it's great for them, I guess, you know, they've gotten to a point where pirates aren't being able to pirate games and have to purchase games. Um so I guess Dave, you and I back in when we were in college, we both had PSPs. And at that point a hack came out for them. And I, it's 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 kind of funny that we, we, we hacked our PSPs so we could run our own code on them and make homebrew. Yeah. And that led to me developing a video game PSP for my final year project in college, <laughs> which turned out to be a success and i did it very well in that project i made a little zelda clone uh 
about four levels in it, probably more. And then there was some uh, multiplayer over. I had Bravin at the time, and you had fifty six k dial up. But we were able yeah. to play. <laughs> we were able to play a um, two player game, which is kind of cool. So I've always had and have had a bit of a bit of a soft spot, I guess, for when people do learn how to hack consoles and stuff like that that you can run your own code on so what i, I kind of want to do with the vita is i kind of want to find that code that i wrote nine <laughs> years ago <laughs> oh stop yeah yeah Important. see if it runs yeah. on it because yeah it, can, it was lou i wrote it in back in the day um and i guess one good thing about it is i suppose this ca- this has come towards the end of the vita's life cycle so um I guess it was an issue, I guess, when it came out on the PSP that it was early enough in the PSP's life cycle that people were able to just pirate games blatantly straight out. So that was a huge... uh, People just stopped buying games, I guess, for the the Vita. Um, And that's, you know, you're not going to publish games on... Sorry, for the PSP, you're not going to publish games on a console where people are just, you know, just rampant piracy. So with the PSP... Sorry, with the PS Vita hack... um, there's no piracy currently, although there's kind of been some signs of it. There's no piracy of PS Vita games. It's only kind of old emulators you can put on it, like your your SNES emulators, Mega Drive emulators, stuff like that. So while you can get some old games, I think every console pretty much, or everyone has probably, you know, downloaded a ROM at some point, even on PC, just messing around to play an old game. It's kind of fun to kind of throw that stuff on and you know, get a new lease of life out of a maybe a hardware device that you might not have used. You might pick it up again for another couple of hours to play a game on it. Um, not condoning piracy, by the way. Um, it, it should be games that you've bought previously or have copies of. But uh, there are kind of... So one PS Vita game has been shared, I guess, around in torrent sites. Um, but that was found on a development unit. So it hadn't been signed or anything like that. There was no DRM on it. So it was understandable that that had, that was able to kind of be used on any Vita. Um, whereas other games would all have DRM and, you know, some kind of piracy protection on them. But the, some Chinese guy has, I don't know, hacked or got around anyway, the, 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 the privacy protection or on, uh, some game at the moment and has started sharing that online so i don't know are we just going to see the floodgates open now where that's it all games any any video game now that has been released up to this date is now going to be downloadable which isn't great um i can understand why people you know pirate stuff you know it happens quite a lot um i'm fortunate i guess at this point in my life where i can afford to buy most of my games and so that's what I do. I want to support developers. I buy games sometimes that I don't even play to support developers. Uh, do you do that, Dave, ever? <laughs> oh, yeah. The Humble Bundle, man. Yeah. Humble I Bundle mean, and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd say the percentage of them that I've... Okay. The percentage of them that I've finished mm-hmm. is um, low enough. And then the percentage yeah. that I've played is only slightly higher. But um, they're still they're still great. Um, and they're still... They're worth supporting developers from like Definitely, i mean i've yeah. so many games in my steam library and at the time like I, bu- I don't buy them with the express purpose of supporting developers i'm like i'm gonna play these and i just don't end up yeah play getting getting time to play them or whatever and it's usually mobile games or whatever but yeah no buy a lot of buy a lot of games still 
and and would like i mean it's the same thing like i you know pay for pay for netflix pay for spotify if something isn't on those services i just kind of go ah well what can you do um yeah <laughs> you know I, i'm just i'm just too lazy as well at this stage yeah. you know um uh with with to, to to go out of my way to 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 find stuff um in in the, the darker places on, on the web like that's it yeah know, yeah it's kind of like it's it's there or it's not, and I'm not gonna. I'm not Eventually, gonna. hopefully, it will become available there or something. Yeah. So, talk to me about the PlayStation. So, when when was the Vita release? Twenty eleven, twenty twelve, kind of December, January, eleven or twelve. So, you're saying that this is already kind of in the the end of its life. Like, is yeah, it? Yeah. So, would would you still recommend buying one, or is it kind of? Yes, you know, I, is it is it going to be replaced? Because I know that Sony have said they're not going to make any more or sell any more retail games. For no, so um, I guess Sony. So you have to buy them online. Yeah, so Sony kind of stopped. Sony didn't really support it. So actually, to answer your question, it came out December seventeenth, twenty eleven. Yeah. Which is amazing because it still holds up after five years. I still play it every day. Uh, not every day, but you know, weekly. Um, yeah, Sony kind of had stopped supporting itself with its own first party games. Um, certain developers have been really, really good in developing games for it and as much as developing games for it first before releasing them on, um, other platforms. But I, I would recommend, I would recommend it. If you can get them on cheap, you can pick them up inside in um, CEX or GameStop or anything like that, probably for a decent price. Um, I've It's probably one of the consoles I put most time into. I've played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of games on this thing. Um, the screen is fantastic. You know, it's got dual analog sticks, which is one thing missing from the PSP at the time. It could definitely be improved and... It's sad to say, yeah, that Sony won't be releasing probably any more handhelds. Um, so I guess at least Nintendo releasing handhelds. I absolutely love handhelds, consoles. I just think they're fantastic. I'll continue to use or like buy them, um, uh, for as long as people keep making them. Um, but you know what? Look at the game cat- catalog out there. Um, there's always sales on for their games and stuff like that. And yeah. I definitely would recommend buying one. And like I said, I'm kind of happy that the hack came out so late in the life cycle of the um, PSP because I think it would have hindered game sales or developers releasing games over the last few years. So I'd probably see a huge decline anyway in people making games for Vita in the next year or two. So um, even compared to how low it is at the moment. So I'm kind of, yeah, it's, it's interesting the hack came out now. Um, and just fun to kind of mess around with, I guess. And in terms of the ecosystem, are there smaller games that you can download? Like, is there an app store essentially that you can download small games that aren't full blown? Yeah, they're, they have their own app store and you can download full, uh, smaller games, but everything is kind of, they had a more of an indie section before. We had some local developers actually in Limerick, Open Emotion Studio at the time, I think released for the PS Vita. Um, or was that the PSP? I think, I think some of the games got ported to the PS Vita at the time later on. Um, they eventually discontinued that, I think. And there was also a mobile one, which kind of straddled the Sony. It was kind of like the Sony phone, uh, app store for games. And it was also on the PS Vita that kind of eventually went away then. They would be games like 20, 30 megabytes in size. 
but there's a lot of indie games out there you know you get Binding of Isaac and stuff like that on it um Spelunky tons and tons like th- those games are perfectly suited for Vita you know those kind of indie mm. games um which is great yeah just sucks that I'll have to buy them again yeah. <laughs> that's it continued cycle in one's life is if you're into games you'll buy a game in a next generation if you really like it you'll end up buying it again so certain people have bought like nintendo games maybe six seven eight times since they've come out over yeah. 30 years <laughs> and no more handhelds from sony you're saying i pretty much think this is the end of their foray into them um they've always made good hardware but they've they've always messed it up they always have proprietary uh memory cards which were yeah. so expensive compared to an equivalent um micro sd card of the time or even now like it was even hard to find higher uh like 32 64 gig cards they were pretty much impossible to find at the time so people were swapping memory cards all the time it was a nightmare they should have just done what nintendo did release or sorry let people use their own sd cards i think the machine probably would have been a bit more popular because you're throwing 250 euro at a device you're buying a couple of games and then you've got to throw another 100 150 euro for a memory card people like no <laughs> why would i want to do that for yeah that's the typical kind of sony being such a big sony being such a big company that even if the one part of them is doing something that the other part has to stick their nose in yeah one of i suppose talking about selling it even or what i loved about it was you could play or you could stream all your ps4 games to the ps vita so if i was say back in my parents house and i was connected to the internet i could turn on my ps4 in my apartment stream the game over the internet to the ps vita at my parents house and be playing it remotely which is pretty cool i think <laughs> so i remember playing gta 5 on christmas day you know for my parents that kind of stuff is cool and you, you can still do that yeah yeah you can still do that um i think if you probably if you hack the vita you won't be able to do it now um but i guess you know that's up to you want to do <laughs> cool so given that we're on a bit of a gaming streak this episode the the other thing we're gonna um discuss is this TechCrunch article which claims that facebook is building a steam competitor yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I, I, I suppose um so steam is essentially a marketplace and a drm facility um so you buy games there it downloads them it manages your account and everything and it also manages multiplayer and stuff like that so it's a bit more than just a shop you know and basically facebook are going to enter into that so yeah so the article you sent on thomas i guess the the first image that pops up it's i guess a marketplace and it's got a eight different tiles of games and it's just color all i see is color 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 flat 2d games candy crush is one of them there's carrots with smiley faces on them um coca-colas it's a different marketplace i guess for it's for the it's for the 35 to 45 year old mother stays at home i'm glad you said mother because i'm 36 feck you bass no (laughs) dave and i when we um were going into the when we were doing games at one point we met um big fish wasn't it dave and And they had yeah yeah and popcap and they were they pushed heavily towards the stay-at-home mom 
kind of market. And to me, this is what that looks like here. It's a, it's an all-in-one um, hub for buying these kind of essentially mobile phone games, clicker games, um, Candy Crush games, and it'll be a place to buy them. Um, so putting them all in one place and probably be able to add discounts and stuff like that to be able to do sales. And as they said, it's probably taken all the good features from Steam where, you know, you have your library management, you know, it shows you what games are on sale, what's popular at the moment. You have a community maybe based around games. So if you're stuck on a level, you can go in and kind of ask the community questions. I think that's what it'll be, but it won't be competing with maybe the hardcore gaming that Steam users are used to. I could be wrong. Now, what... If I told you that Oculus-only games are going to be distributed to this platform, oh really? No, but like oh, you, you know, you're did. you're saying you're 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 taking it as purely the type of people that play Facebook games yes, can now sorry. download this and download Facebook games to their desktop. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but what if if you want to use the Oculus, you have to have this, and you have don't to, they have that at the moment? There's an Oculus it. App Store. That is, yeah, yeah, and people have but, to use that, don't they? I think Dave's point, though, is is the Oculus going to be their kind of beachhead into yeah. making this a Steam competitor? Because yeah, if they ditch the Oculus store and have everything through the Facebook game store or whatever, and like the fact it's a partnership with Unity, like I, I don't know what I'm talking about here. Well, you know, there's a surprise, but um, well, Unity is a relatively serious game engine, right? It is. Yeah, it's very popular. Yeah, again, more the indies. Like, I mean, I doubt you'd guess you wouldn't get. You know, it's not. Um, you're probably not going to get the AAA games using it, but it's very an indie engine, I suppose. Really, like a lot of the so. games on Steam would be Unity based games, maybe a few of them. Good anyway. portion, yeah. Oh, yeah, mm. definitely. I, I guess it's just again, it's an it's another fractured ecosystem. Um, where you have, like, say, Netflix, and everyone saw how successful Netflix went, so Amazon came out with their own um, online streaming service, and HBO have their own one. You know, rather than have it all in one place, they're going to fragment, I guess, online streaming. So I have this show that you like, okay, maybe it's a remake of The Sopranos or something like that, so HBO have it on their store, and okay, I'm going to go to them you know and they're going to try and get more shows onto their thing so i guess the good thing these things aren't subscription based so it's fine that you can have origin which is ea's one which only ea games are on blizzard have one their own app store for their games steam has pretty much 99 percent of games and then i suppose this one be out there they they're they tend to work i guess in tandem a bit more so unfortunately I suppose you won't have everything in Facebook, but or sorry, in Steam, but you can open up the, I suppose, this Facebook store and you can go in there and download your apps. I suppose, as Dave said, if they have that uh, that app that you really want, that Oculus game or something. I think it's also interesting that this is kind of the second thing that Facebook is doing that is desktop centric mm-hmm. between that and the Oculus, I guess. And I just think it, it's interesting that, you know, you'd swear that desktop computing was completely dead if you just the tech press right um according to everybody not so much it's definitely had a huge resurgence i think in the last years yeah like just the hype i guess like my sense the hype was mostly on mobile but clearly facebook are 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 
putting quite a big bet on um, the desktop. And it's interesting that this is essentially a desktop gaming platform that they're in here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's only, that's only going to be short term though. I think, you know, until um, the, the VR stuff gets, gets good enough that it's mobile. Like I think they're back in this looking at the future, which is, it's going to be wherever Facebook is. And that like at the moment it's on the desktop because that's where the, that's where the power is essentially, you know, you need a ridiculous PC for the VR headsets and stuff. But, um, you know, give it, give it a few years and I don't think it'll be too much of a desktop strategy anymore. But it's interesting that out of, out of the big tech companies, Facebook are one that don't, there are no rumors of them having a a phone platform in the works. So like Amazon tried with the Kindle tablet fire, what's it? Google of Android, Apple of iOS, Windows have poor Windows phone. Like, I just think it's interesting that... Um, Didn't Facebook have a Facebook OS a couple of years ago? Yeah. Facebook Home or something? Yeah. And it, it kind of... I don't know, did it sit on top of your Android OS? Or it didn't replace it, I don't think. They discontinued it fairly quickly anyway. <laughs> yeah. So just think it's interesting, like, kind of in a way, they've no choice but to make this store for PC because... A, PCs are the only place you can run this kind of thing, right? Yeah, and by the looks of the games as well, they're, it's going to be on your 300 euro laptop Okay. that you bought. You know, you, you bought a, not you, but a person bought a 300 euro laptop to go on Facebook. And that machine can barely run solitaire probably. So these are the kind of games you're going to see in these Candy Crush simple games. Um Nothing too intensive. Just see what comes out of it anyway. Yeah, it just strikes me as more stuff for them to shut down when they get bored of it. Uh. And it'll just end up being Unity running it, you know, because of the partnership with Unity to support the Oculus. So if you're making games using Unity, you know, you can support the Oculus with only, you know, you can probably just drag in an Oculus icon and you, you support Oculus, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So they're going to, um, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, this guy, PhD student up in Dublin, um, decided to dig down on the CEO points for the last 15 years. Uh, put, put a link in the show notes. I just says exactly the kind of post that I really like. Um, fair play to him. He, uh, he went kind of deep and he also did some statistical analysis and my stats are rubbish. So I actually kind of learned something about stats as well. Um, so yeah, just thought it was a really cool um, analysis, some lots of nice graphs and stuff. Um, also, the CO releases the points online, but only in a PDF format. And I felt like I spent quite a lot of my 20s extracting data from tables in either PDFs or Word documents uh, and doing it manually because... Or, or trying some weird kind of chaining of things where you're trying to get some sort of clean HTML f- by piping it through at least sort of four or five apps. Um, but there's a command line tool, I think it's called PDF to text now, that will literally just suck up, uh, spit out all, all the sort of tabular data from your... So I thought that was cool. I think the the just the one graph that really 
kind of stood out for me was if you start students and basically it has the number of level eight courses. So level eight is the honors degree. And then if you look at 2015, it's up over 900. So the number now, <clears throat> part of that is probably new courses and part of it is probably level sixes and to move with the times. As an educator, Dave, in as an educator in third level, Dave, like, do you feel there is a danger of there being too many courses? Hard to tell. I definitely think that there's, you know, we're we're going to be running into problems if, if the, obviously, if the number of courses keeps going on to increase, there isn't, it runs, you know, constantly trying for a bigger piece of the, to, to capture a bigger piece of the higher education, uh, a kind of a, a point of inflection where that stops becoming viable. You can't just get 10 times, you'll get, you know, 10 more bunches of students. Um, let's put on a hundred courses. There's, Essentially, there, there's going to there's a point where courses will um they're being are allowing there to be essentially centers of let's say there's five places that do something really really well and then like uh, I've seen it where some place comes up with a new course and that place you know it's packed and then slowly all of the other courses in different departments. Um, that think they can put something similar together will try and do that. And then eventually one player could have probably had a decent, a decent cohort the whole time. And now it's just, you know, there's, it's essentially non-viable everywhere. And you just have to wait until all the others fail so that you can be the one to, you know. But Baz, what do you got? That's making me happy. Um, I suppose this is not one. It's, um, <laughs> it's not to explain. Basically, I'm playing, Jared is something and it's like, why am I doing this to yourself? But you keep doing it. Um, you know, so what I'm doing at the moment is I've gotten back to playing Soma on the PS4. So to continue, I guess, my very video game heavy, uh, pieces in the podcast, Soma is a horror based game from, um, oh, was it Frictional Games? So they've made a few horror games. Um, oh, Penumbra and them, is it? Penumbra and, um, their famous one is Amnesia. And then there's Amnesia, a machine for pigs. So Soma is the newest one. Um, <clears throat> you should definitely even go online and watch some of the trailers they did for it. The live action ones where a person's in a room and they're talking to a robot. But the, the, the robot has a human consciousness and really believes it's a human. And then it's kind of freaking out, kind of getting asked certain questions. It's like, so that's what happens in the game. You know, you're, you're, you're encountering certain robots that, uh, believe they're humans and they're they can be in pain and stuff like this which is kind of just uneasy to watch but the thing in all of their games is they usually have monsters that follow you around or that you need to hide from and you're very vulnerable in these games there's no weapons at all you can't fight back you have to run and hide so but the story is so compelling that keeps you in the game you know so no matter how much like you know your your heart is racing your hands are sweaty you're screaming because some guy is running behind you and the screen is getting messed up because they're getting closer and closer and closer to you and then they kill you you go back into the game and you play it again eventually it gets a bit too much so you sometimes you need to take a break but um i might actually just pop into it after this podcast as well and play a bit more because i'm getting closer i guess to the end but uh that's something that's that's yeah something i love doing i guess playing scary games even though it might seem the opposite of something you'd love to do. <laughs> and I think it's only going to get a bit more crazier than with VR, but I don't think I have 
the cojones to play horror games in VR. That might be a bit too much for me. Yeah, you're trying to run away in real life and like smack into a wall and break. Lovely. Yeah. In line with people falling over and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look online, there are videos of people doing that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. But I'm looking forward to getting people over and making them play them for my entertainment. That'd be that'd be pretty funny, I think. Yeah, I got a Google Cardboard. I um, just hooked it up to the. or just hooked it up like you know, like putting it. I putting it like, pretty impressive considering. Like I I tried it like donkeys ago, but there wasn't the right apps. Low res, obviously, but you know the latency and stuff is. If you're looking for something, I don't know if you've tried Within. Uh, W-A-T-H-I-N, but download that app and it's got tons and tons of videos and stuff in it. Like uh, Muse have got a 3D video in it. There's some 3D animated stuff because um, I've got, you know, a cheap headset as well here just to try out. And I I, I suppose I, I didn't think it would be up to much, but sometimes if someone's right up in your face, it's a bit unnerving, you know, having a real human, a real person that's tall, I guess, you know, they they seem life-size. Yeah. Oh. And it's that close. And I go on their website and there's just Bono looking at me, singing at That's me. That's what we all want, Dave. <laughs> and yeah, and Dave, you're you happy this week? So, not haven't had much time for video games. Obviously, Denise's nephew stayed with us for the last week, and he's big and really enjoyed it. So, I uh, played the original Counter Strike. Uh, I didn't go out of my way; it was just there, you know. Um, and you go back and play a game from years ago like it feels the same the maps feel the same and, and <laughs> yeah, holy crap like i mean you're you really can't trust your your this is this is pretty much the exact same thing but it's you know the graphics and everything are a big big improvement when all you have is a macbook air <laughs> yeah so this is a game thomas that's been around since about 99 when um the first Half-Life game came out and it's big in tournaments, you know, it's still played to this day. Huge tournaments are played for it. It's not the biggest game that's played, I suppose, in esports. The but, uh, important yeah. thing I want to know, Dave, is did your ass get whooped by a 12-year-old? No, I'm telling you, he'll, he'll have to step up his game. I'm going I'm going playing ranked match of months. I'll be living solely off, off Counter-Strike in my MacBook Air. 